What's up, everybody? Welcome to Security Squawk Podcast. I'm your co-host, Brian Horning, here with Reginald Andre, Randy Bryan, and Ryan O'Hara. How are you, gentlemen? Good. Welcome to another show. Doing great. Just ready to tell some people something new. That's right. I'm going to tell you something new. Like the song says. But remember, we're not going to tell you something new for free. And the fee for that is for our show is to remember share our show share and share us on social media share us in your in your favorite podcasting platform uh and if you're in your favorite podcasting platform and listening to us if you could rate our show five stars and maybe leave a little comment about why this is a worthwhile podcast that helps other people understand why they should be listening to our podcast versus i don't know somebody else and, and don't uh, do it don't do it just for us do it for that business owner that you know that may may need to get a little bit of information on cybersecurity. You, you could end up saving their butt down the road and not even know it yeah because the problem is, is that as we mentioned on this show weekly nobody's talking about this stuff that's why we we bring it out of the darks of the interwebs um and we shine a spotlight on what the hell is going on out there and uh you know, all with the goal of educating as many people as we can about the risks and what you need to start doing to, you know, reduce those risks and protect yourself. So we've got a good show today, guys. We got, um, well, we, I think we mentioned it a little bit last week that there was an IT company in New Jersey known as SHI, uh, who is dealing with a ransomware event that occurred over the 4th of July holiday. We're going to deep dive into that a little bit today. Uh, and we're also going to take a look at a ransomware gang who is allowing you to search for data that they've stolen, um, only making it easier for every other, you know, criminal, scammer, identity theft person in the world to get to this data. Um, I'm sure that's not their main motivation. Their main motivation is probably to force people into paying something um, and, you know, and get paid again, probably, or get paid you know, because they didn't get paid before because the company decided we're not going to pay you. I think we're going to talk about an example of that as well, um, because we have a, a diamond company that paid about seven and a half million to cyber criminals, um, and it's coming to bite them in the butt. And we're going to talk about that, um, a little lesson learned around uh, cyber insurance. And then uh, our friends over at Marriott Hotels, um, I think this is number three for them, guys. I, I don't. Is it? Is it the third? I know it's definitely the second. Third, yeah. Yeah, I, th I thought this was the third because I feel like I covered it at least twice on my own YouTube channel. Uh, so we got Marriott uh, again with a data breach. What is going on with this hotel chain, and why do they keep uh, having issues with having their you know guests' data exposed to you know people who shouldn't have it and one of the things I want to get into in that is like the amount of data that hotels have on people who stay there. Um, you got to think about what you do in a hotel um, and what data they may be collecting on you. So we'll get into that. So start off the show, guys. SHI International is a uh, New Jersey-based IT firm that does billions of dollars in annual revenue. Uh, I guess taking a look at their company, um, not all IT companies are the same, I guess I would say. And I think that that's uh, an interesting um, 
uh, way to say it, but I think a lot of people think that all IT companies are the same. Um, and I guess the difference between what I see with this company and maybe our companies, which I think are, are more closely aligned than, than this company uh, is, is this company is heavily uh, built around selling hardware. Um, if you go to their website, you can, you can shop for IT products, add them to your cart. And I don't know if you have to be a customer of theirs already to buy this stuff or anybody in the general public can buy it. I didn't go that far with looking at their website and doing research. Um, but I can tell you on our company's website, we don't have products that you can put into a cart and then purchase. Um, so th this is more of what we would term a value-added reseller. And I look at these companies more along the lines of like small insurance companies, right? Small insurance companies out there um, resell other insurance products. They're not writing their own policies. They're not underwriting their their own books of businesses. They're 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 working for travelers. They're working for you know basically any insurance company that allows uh, other agents to sell their product, like State Farm is basically what's known as like channel only state farm agents only sell state farm and nobody else sells state farm um, and this is how i look at these what's known as vars or value added resellers they sell resell a lot of different back-end products and services and white label them um, and the reason i bring that up is because and I'm going to pull up their website real quick because a couple interesting things are on their website right now. Number one is the hooray, we're back in business type of post, which I think I is a say, Yeah, as of that story, their website was still down a few days ago. Yeah, yeah, their website was still down on Friday. They're back up as of yesterday. They're saying they're glad to be back online. I mean, I just wouldn't approach this like this, guys, with my company <laughs> who... I don't know, right here, solutions, cybersecurity. I, I mean, how do you guys feel about this when you're seeing, you know, I, maybe I'm speaking out of a little bit of jealousy here that I'm not a $5 billion a year company, but it's like, how do you guys feel about a company this big getting it so wrong? You know, you're, well, you're promoting yourself as a cybersecurity company and you just got hit it really depends on on their response to it what they were doing you know how how did the attack happen and, and these are all things that we don't really know i mean you know going back uh, a year or two ago when uh when fire eye got hit i mean nobody's immune to this you can be doing everything and still be a target if somebody has the the time and the resources and they want to go after you you know they're going to get in eventually so i think i don't have a problem with this response necessarily so long as um, you know, when they went through and evaluated what happened and what their response was, they're happy with how they did it. I mean, because it really depends. If, if this was an, you know, an issue where somebody did something stupid and left something open, um, you know, or there, there was no uh, you know, monitoring in place to check for these types of things, then, yeah, I probably would not be as, uh, as giddy about it on there. But, you know, I, I kind of look at it, you know, as, as an education piece, you know, maybe, you know, go about it as this can happen to everybody and use it as a means of spreading the word for people. So do you guys agree with this statement here where the article on Security Week says that SHI did not provide further details on the attack, but the fact that the systems were taken offline and that restoration efforts are mm -hmm. still ongoing suggests that ransomware might have been involved? 
Yeah, I mean, that sounds probably what was involved. We won't know. And, you know, it's just the week after. So this is slightly better than the normal nothing to see here response that we normally see the week after. So, um, yeah, it sounds like ransomware to me. Yeah, that's not 100% true because here they are saying, you know, patting themselves on the back to the quick reaction of the security and IT team. The incident was swiftly identified and measures were enacted to minimize the impact. Um, And, you know, it's basically saying we took systems offline, websites, yada, yada. uh, And then we got the old no third party systems in the supply chain were affected and there was no evidence of customer data being exfiltrated. And it's still early, so I mean, take yeah. take all of this with a grain of salt. I mean, this this is still version one of the uh, um, you know announcement of what happened. So you know, let's talk again in four weeks when when you know the uh, final story is uh, is buried in the news someplace uh, with with a little yeah. bit more detail. Well, yeah, that's exactly it. If you look at even in their blog, you know, they say we were hit over the July Fourth weekend, and then uh, two or three days later, they're saying you know we swiftly identified it, and then a couple of days later, everything is good. We're back to normal. So I think it is too early. That's just a PR spin that we're seeing just to make it seem like for the everyday customer that it was just, you know, old, old Betty just clicked on something. And like you said, hey, nothing to see here. But um, but yeah, I definitely see this blog being updated or some press release coming out later on to say, oh, well, after forensic, we realized they were, you know, in our systems for longer than we thought. And they got more than we got thought they got. And, you know. Wow. You know, that's probably an official strategy. What you just said right there. I didn't even think about it till just now. But, you know, we've been making all these jokes about, oh, nothing to see here or this little that. But what you two guys have just said in the last like three minutes, Ryan mentioned, you know, buried deep in the news cycle. And what Andre just said, I wonder if there's people out there that are actually giving them the advice to do this. Put out a good sounding article. So, Guys like us will go through the article and, you know, give them kind of a, hey, kind of slow thumbs up, doing a good job. And then, you know, come out with all the dirt in like three weeks when we're not going to put it on our podcast in three weeks because we already talked about them. We're no, we will. No, That's we will. The is. 100% we will. We'll find it and we'll, and we'll talk about it. So good point, y'all. That, that should be our new SOP. Is, is anytime we do one of these, we got to do another search specifically in, in uh, you know four weeks and see. I personally it. think we do do that. I think we yeah. do a good job of pointing out every time these things kind of get slipped out on a Friday afternoon. Um, you know, Andre and I have been doing that so much since the beginning of the podcast. <clears throat> you know, we've been laughing at this stuff, and then you know we find another article where where they you know, release more information or, or really give you the, the details of it. I don't know. I have a lot of issues with their blog post here. Um, God, I wish I, I mean, I'm a pretty confident dude, um, but I don't know if I'd be this confident. <clears throat> I mean, I'm a, you're almost egging on the fucking cyber criminals uh, by putting this kind of stuff out, in my opinion. When you're saying, you know, first off, you know, all sales teams have had uh, teams across SHI now have restored access to all systems necessary to help customers get quotes, pricing, place orders, and manage contracts. So it's like, okay, we need to get sales back up and running because we need to make mm-hmm. money. I get that, all right. But <clears throat> you're gonna put that in, in your in your bottom update about your security incident. Yeah, this, this is where, like I said, I I, I think 
this is okay if they know that their their stuff is tight and, and they did everything right. But what we've seen in the past too is, is other companies kind of posting this stuff, and then we find out you know a couple of weeks later that uh, you know hey the, the hackers saw that too, and now all of a sudden they're leaking you know a percentage of the data that they exfiltrated and saying yeah, but that's not true. Here, here's the proof, and then it kind of blows up from there. So you can't post this without without knowing that you got things tight and it's not going to blow back on you. Yeah, and then the security and integrity of SHI systems, um, by extension, the security of our customers is paramount to SHI, and we continue to bring more systems online in a carefully con controlled manner, which is, you know, what you want to hear, right? And this is where it really goes off the rails for me. And light in that light from today, we are pleased to offer SHI customers our usual ridiculously helpful levels of service. Mm -hmm. Like that's where I kind of go, hmm. like maybe you want to keep that one out, like that line. Maybe, and you might give great customer service. Might just be their stick though too. I mean, we are talking about a company called SHI IT. Yeah, but it's just, I don't know. You just got hacked. Eat a little crow. Be a little humble. Don't like you're you're a cybersecurity company that just got hacked. And like I'm totally on board with Ryan. My company could get, could get hacked tonight. Um, I'm not going to sit here and say that we're we're you know bulletproof. Um, <clears throat> but at the end of the day, I'm not going to come out and I'm going to say you know be so boastful about my company right. and the level of service in. An art, in a blog post where I'm telling you that we're basically limping along here trying to get our asses back up to normal. Yeah, and, and I, we talked a little bit about this last week. You know, what, It would be nice if more people came forward when they do get hacked and, and talk about it as a learning experience uh, to share that knowledge so people understand that this stuff is real as, as opposed to burying it, uh, not talking about it, and then you got everybody thinking that, that this stuff isn't real, that it's not going to happen to them. That, that would be the approach I personally would take it in, in that scenario is you know, hey, we, we, we got hit. Um, it happens. No, no solution is 100%. Here's some of the things that we saw and we're doing about it. But you know, this is just a learning experience for everybody that nobody is immune to this, no matter how much you're doing. The best we can do is, is uh, you know, take the steps to not be the low hanging fruit. And then on top of that, too, is to say this is why you need the layers of security. This is why you need planning and all of that, because it could have been much worse for this big company. Absolutely. Yep. If you don't have anything and, you know, you, yes, you can still get hit and you are the low hanging fruit. It's easier and it's going to be much more widespread because there's nothing to stop them once they're in there. Yeah. And it seems to me that this company is very heavily a VAR type of company mm -hmm. and not a managed security provider or <clears throat> so my guess is is that the security cybersecurity services that they promote on their website are sold through a third party company mm -hmm. <clears throat> like they're not doing any of this stuff internally uh, they're not building out um, their own cybersecurity practices they're just reselling as a probably a white labeled type product or service or gray labeled um, well, they're, they're, they're basically reselling, you know, knock services, uh, seam services, mm. uh, you know, all those different services that you can kind of plug and play into, um, you know, somebody's security stack. So that's how I see it. And we will absolutely 100% update everybody as time goes on here. And we learn more about, uh, how SHI has handled this recovery and what actually you know what the actual damage was yeah. um 
keep in mind too, last week, I think we joked that when they do release it, it's going to be to the smallest newspaper, you know? Yeah. So okay. we're going to have okay. to search really good. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we're, again, like last week we talked about, like, it's so hard to find this stuff anymore. Um, and it's not really timely attacks anymore. We're finding out about these attacks months and months later, rather than in real time, like it was a year ago. Um, now there's going to be some attacks in the future that we're going to have to just find out in real time yeah. because it's going to smack people right in the face. They're going to walk into a store and that store is going to be like, we can't sell you anything because we have ransomware. Well, uh, that's what it takes to be newsworthy these days. Like the, the Flagstar story was, was pretty much all over the place, but you know, something like this where it's an IT supplier, nobody really cares. So it doesn't, it doesn't make the headlines. It doesn't uh, get that kind of exposure. So people aren't as aware. Yeah. So we got, uh, you know, kind of think it's a little bit of a cat and mouse type of situation here. What we're about to talk about next, uh, you know, in line with companies handling cyber events the way that they are. Um, you know, if you're in the news right away versus three months down the road, like if things are publicly being said in the middle of the event and you're negotiating with ransomware hackers, the ransomware hackers have a lot more leverage in that scenario than they do if it's not out there, right? So um, that begs the question for me, like how, how long will it be before the ransomware gangs kind of figure that out and they start kind of putting things out there in the public on their own and get really good at it, just, you know, you know, going to social media, going to Reddit, going to Twitter, and letting the public know that they have a company under attack, knowing that if they do that, they're going to get paid, you know, they have more leverage, right, to get paid more, to get paid quicker. Um, and that's why we want to talk about this article where ransomware gangs now let you search uh, their stolen data. And the sole purpose of this, them doing this is so they can you know, force companies to pay them to not leak that data. Uh, so, you know, what do you guys think about this stuff? This is the perfect segue to our next story that we're talking about. But yeah, it, it's one of those things where, you know, it's one thing to tell a company that they've been hacked and that you have their data and, and you're, you might release it. But, you know, we, we've also seen a lot of ransomware gangs ha who have uh, you know claimed that and then not had as much data or, or not as impactful of data as, as they were trying to make it sound like. So, showing proof that they've got this kind of stuff makes a huge difference. And we're going to talk about that in the next story where, you know, they did play chicken with them and uh, ended up paying more in the long run because, uh, you know, they did do something like this where they started leaking some of that data out to people uh, who were impacted clients of that company. And then they ended up having to pay uh, more than what the original ransom request was. Yeah. I mean, their, their goal obviously is money. Um, they're not doing this for the kicks, you know, they're not doing it for whatever. They're doing it for money. And with this move that and they always they always are using psychological operations, you know, a.k.a. psyops. So the cool kids say they're using psyops to get in people's heads, because if they can get you to panic or if they can get people around you to panic, you're more likely to pay more money. And you're less likely to maybe take the slow measured approach of restoring systems, restoring backups or whatever. And so by releasing this data, then they're going around the gatekeepers, if you will. Like, you know, maybe the head of the IT department says, you know, and and the C-level staff is in on of um, unbreaching a breach. And, 
You know, they're 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 just saying to their employees, hey, we're working on it. Everybody lay low. You know, they're releasing out to the press. You know, hey, no data has been leaked, blah, blah, blah. This move goes right around all that. Yep. And it goes straight to the people where they can just go and look and see that their data is there. If they see their data is, is there, they're going to flip out and they're going to start demanding that the ransom be paid because they don't want their data to be leaked out onto the uh, Internet. I think that's kind of the goal, one of the goals here for sure. Um, and that's just a taking the whole psyops thing to a whole nother level. Right. And most, most importantly, you have your employees that are, that's going to find out because a lot of times the C-levels, they're going to try to hide it and try to, as we talked about, contain it as much as like a need to know. Like if this department doesn't need to know or this side of the country doesn't need to know, let's not say anything. And now you're going to have employees where, you know, payroll information, the partial social security numbers shown or whatever the case is. So now internally, there's going to be a lot of gripe. And that's yeah. the last thing you're going to want to know because that's going to just kill the morale in the company. Then you start seeing those employees jumping on Twitter, telling everybody what's going on when uh, they're trying to contain the situation. Yeah. Imagine sharing their, their payroll information. Wow. Yeah. Jessica from accounting is getting how much? I think that's another so slightly unrelated, but I think that's something that a lot of companies don't think about either. You know, I, I've talked to some and we, you know, we show them all of the social security numbers we find on their machines and they're like, oh, well, those are just internal employees. Well, that doesn't matter. And that stuff can still get leaked. These people can still sue you just because they're not a client. You maybe don't have as big of a PR hit. That's still something you need to be concerned about. Yeah, we still haven't seen class action lawsuits around this yeah. stuff yet. So once once a <clears throat> once one of those ambulance chaser lawyers figures out he can search this database for clients <clears throat> and send them a letter saying, "Hey, you know, I'm putting together this class action lawsuit, and you're you can be a part of it." <clears throat> that's still yet to come. Mm -hmm. um, Couple couple questions I have for you guys around this. <clears throat> Number one, this isn't anything new, right? In terms of yeah. these guys doing this, the interesting like they just made it e more easy to search yep. customer service. But so they don't say it specifically in this article, and it's why I wanted to ask the question. But I I read this before somewhere else, and I don't know if this is the case with these three ransomware groups, but are these surface web websites or are these still on the dark web? Because, you know, searchable databases like this have been around the dark web for a mm -hmm. long time. The problem is most people aren't going to go to the dark web to look for this stuff. When it's a whole different ballgame when they're building a surface web website that anybody with a Google browser can go yeah. to and start searching. And I think that's what's going on here. Yeah. If I one, of, one of the screenshots has a uh, it's it's blurred out, but it's dot X, Y, Z which it's would be surface web. web. So, Correct. so that's the bigger deal right. here because more people are like, you're not going to need, like I do this as part of my research is I go on the dark web and I, and I look for these things uh, and look for, you know, the, the ransomware release sites that these guys have. But when you're just putting it on the surface web, you're just making it accessible to everybody, which mm -hmm can only, in my mind, increase the pressure to do something. Because like I said, you're gonna have lawyers, you know, who are searching this and, and putting together, you know, a class action lawsuit. Um, you run into SEO issues, right? People start searching for a company and then, you know, the, the third result is, uh, you know, Joe Blow's uh, uh, credentials that were in this leak. Yeah, I really don't think these guys are gonna put one iota into like SEO and, 
you know, no, uh, no, no index tags and things like that. Like this, this stuff is going to be on Google eventually. Um, <clears throat> unless Google's smart enough to realize, Hey, this is mm -hmm. a leak site. Maybe we shouldn't index this. Um, hopefully. Yeah. The FBI maybe will take it down. Yeah. Yeah. That's the only problem I see with this is that it's going to be easier for these guys, to, to, the government to take these things down. Um, but again, you just copy some files over to a new server, buy a new domain, you're back, you're back up and running. Mm -hmm. So and again, how much effort are you going to put into taking down site after site after they, after they, you know, put another one back up? Plus so, the game you really want to play is to keep taking stuff down. And I mean, that, that just causes them to keep up in the ransom, but that, you know, again, they keep coming yeah. back. So. Right. So Black Cat is the one who has done this. Um, Lockbit has actually put out their version of this, known as Lockbit 3.0. Um, and they're all starting to go in this direction. And the thing that I can say from my experience and my expertise on this stuff is when they start moving in a certain direction, it's because they realize something's working. Mm -hmm. So um, that's kind of that's kind of why this is happening. And, you know, share your thoughts with us on whether you think this is a good tactic or not, or if this, you know, scares you as somebody who owns a business or is in a business and could potentially be on one of these leak sites one day. So anything else you guys want to add uh, before we move into our next topic? Our next topic, which is an example of this happening. <laughs> so funny, funny, funny we did that, right? So uh Next, next one we're going to jump into, guys, is uh, this graph, uh, which is a, a diamond company, diamond retailer. Um, and they ended up paying quite a bit of money to Russian ransomware hackers. Um, Ryan, what's going on here? So uh, they, they found out about the attack on, on the 23rd of September. Uh, and uh, initially, they were being demanded $5 million. Uh, uh, against the threat to publish all of the data. Um, they had uh, backups and were able to restore. They, they claim 100% of the data um, and uh, decided to play chicken with the group and, uh, and not pay. Um, come, uh, let's see, I think it was November, um, or on, in October, uh, then they, they did what we were just talking about. They published the data with a 1% sample of some of the data that was in there uh, to show proof that they had this, which uh, got things... Uh, back on the table from a negotiation standpoint. Um, there was some pretty high level uh, uh, people in there. Uh, this, this jeweler deals with a lot of high profile clients. Um, oddly enough, uh, they, uh, the, the Conti group who, who were the ones responsible um, ended up issuing an apology to the, to the Saudi and Qatar royal families because their data was published in that 1%. Um, just a, a weird, uh, <laughs> here's the data, here, here's the proof that we have. Oh, wait, sorry. <laughs> sorry about this to the royal families, which seemed odd to me. But then they came back and demanded a $15 million uh, ransom, uh, so $10 million more than what they originally offered. Um, it was negotiated down to $7.5 million, which they paid uh, right away. Then it gets more interesting because now uh, the, the jeweler is now suing their insurance company because the insurance company hasn't paid out their, their claim. Um, they said that they have uh, cyber insurance that should cover this. 
Um, it looks like the uh, insurance company is uh, fighting this because their advice from the get-go was to pay the $5 million ransom, uh, and then it was the jeweler who decided to uh, you know, roll the dice on that. And so the, uh, the insurance company is now claiming that uh, they should have taken the lower ransom instead of uh, playing chicken with them. So interesting story all the way around. So <clears throat> travelers believe that Graf should not have been given into the demands earlier uh, in hopes of paying a smaller amount. Um, I, I don't understand what Travelers has to stand on here. I understand they didn't, what I understand from the situation is they didn't even pay any, like they didn't pay this company anything. Like, and, um, and I don't understand, like, the original demand was $15 million. Does Travelers think that they should have paid that? No, the original demand was $5 million. It went up to $15 million a month later when, when uh, Graf decided not to pay initially. Got it. And then it got posted on the website. Here's a sample that we did get it. And by the way, now that you pushed it this far, the, the ransom jumps up to $15 million. So Travelers and negotiated like, it down. Yeah, the travelers was was it appears was was advising them to pay the ransom initially when it was still at five million, uh, and Graf decided not to. Um, which there's got to be more to this story because it seems like something's off here. I mean, if, if the insurance company is saying to to pay it at that point, uh, I would assume they were saying pay it and we'll cover it. So why not just get it out of the way at that point? Why? What was the advantage to rolling the dice and pushing it further down the road? Um, so this one will be interesting again to see see how it develops going forward but you know the the insurance side of things though too i mean part of response to this stuff is if you have insurance you know you really need to be uh having conversations with your insurance company so you don't end up screwing this up if, if the insurance company depending on how the paperwork was was written gave that recommendation and they chose not to accept that recommendation you know sounds like the insurance company may have a pretty decent case here um, and this is why having breach coaches are uh uh, important too. So you you have a breach coach, which is an attorney, which has your um, uh, uh, best interest in mind, and they're going to help you, you know, have those conversations with the insurance company so you can make those determinations. Yeah, it'd be interesting, like, yep. be interesting to see where this where this ends up going. I mean, if travelers ever has to pay anything, I don't think. Personally, I don't think travelers has much to stand on here, because. At the end of the day, and I, I mean, I do talk about this in my incident response uh, talks that I give, and I tell people, like, look, if you have cyber insurance and you get hit with ransomware and you intend to use that cyber insurance, you're no longer in control, um, which is the truth. But I don't know if travelers can get out of not paying anything because this business made a certain decision that the insurance company didn't like. Um, I guess it really depends on how travelers structures their policy yeah. terms. Um, and if there's anything in there that basically says that you have to do what we say. And if you don't, then this, you know, is, is null and void and we don't have to pay out anything. Um, maybe that's in there. Maybe it's not. Um, but I guess we're going to figure that, find that out as this moves on. Mm -hmm. I think the other interesting thing that I'm pulling out of here is the fact that Conti removed the data from uh, removed data from its website around November second because uh, apparently they had uh, data from 
the Saudi, UAE, and Qatar royal families yeah. and published data about their families. And not only that, Conti issued a, an apology. Uh -huh. That I mean, just that Conti, in my in my knowledge, Conti is a Russian-based group. Uh -huh. um, yeah, I don't really know how the world really works, you know, at that level. But the fact that they had to apologize to these groups, it's like, yeah. wow. it's like, okay, that's just a weird wrinkle well, in the in the middle of that story, just thrown yeah. in. Like, oh, by the way, yeah, that's geopolitical. I think America's had a pretty much a lock on Saudi oil and stuff, and the Russians are really trying to move in there right now with that. So these guys probably got their hands spanked by the Russian government and they probably they're probably working at the behest of the R Russian government. And they probably just were told, hey, you need to apologize because we don't want to hack these guys off right now because we're trying to steal them from the Americans or their loyalties or whatever. Yeah, I guess well, people, politics. Well, most people don't realize unless you're like in the elite class of, of, of society um, when you go to purchase jewelry from Graf, you're talking about things in, in the hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars. Um, and if you want to not pay cash for that, you're basically getting loans in, in the millions of dollars. So in order to get financing for this jewelry, you need to provide financial statements, purchase statements, and you have to write money orders or checks. Um, this is a very internationally based company. Um, so they probably, you know, accept all different kinds of payments. But just think about the amount of data that's in, in these financial disclosures and, and the amount of data that these royal families don't want out there they don't want the world and you know their own people in their country knowing you know how much money they're raking in um and that's that's a lot of what's behind the apology um because you know you know again going back to randy's geopolitical thing these royal families don't want their the people of their country to really know how much money they all have um you know so, and there's a lot of different reasons for that. So, you know, really interesting stuff. Definitely something we need to update as well down the road uh, in terms of, you know, does travelers actually have to pay, you know, the $9 million that Graf says that they incurred as a result of, of this. What do you guys, what do you guys think? What do you guys think will end up happening there? Uh, it, it's hard to say without knowing the, the, the way that the policy is written. Um, right. In my mind, it seems like if they, you know, disregarded the, the advice from the, the entity that was going to be paying out that claim that, you know, travelers does have a, a little bit of a, a standing point, at least, at least to not have to pay the entire 7.5 million. Um, but we'll see how that goes. I think the other important thing here too, is, I mean, this is a large policy. Um, when you, so, so, you know, this company has the funds to go after and sue their, their insurance company. If you're a smaller entity um, and you have a, a cyber policy that your insurance company um, is going to try and deny, you know, do you have the funds to go after them in court to, to try and make that whole, or are you kind of at their, their mercy at that point? So I think that that's really important for those people who uh, are, are comfortable rolling with, 
um, just having cybersecurity insurance versus having uh, adequate cybersecurity protection. You know, yeah. I, in my opinion, you you never, no matter how good your policy is, you never want it to get to that point where you have to make a claim. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and this is where you know you let the experts be the experts because right now your emotions, all the the stress that's coming from your board, that's coming from your clients, the employees, you're just like not sure what to do. And this is why you got it, like Ryan, you mentioned with the breach coach and let them do their job. This is what they do for a living, and you know, um, listen to their advice. Yeah, because at some point you would think that somebody would have said, "Look, if you make this decision and you don't pay the five million, you're, these are the things that could happen. They're going to they're going to increase the ransom demand, and then you run the risk of travelers not paying the demand because you know Section 52A.3 says if you don't pay the initial you know demand, or if we agree to pay it and you don't pay it, then it's on you from from here on out. You they know. definitely write those policies in their favor. So sure. I mean, absolutely, 100%. You know, they, they want you to, I mean, again, too, the clock is ticking when this stuff happens, right? When these insurance companies engage or, or these incident responders engage, you're talking about close to four or $500 an hour per person at that mm-hmm. point, right? So, if the insurance company knows like, okay, if we can get out of this right now, we know that's going to save us two weeks of, of, of labor costs. And that's why they have these things in place. It's not so they can get out of it. They understand after going through so many breaches, the man hours, the time and money it's going to take if this continues. So they're like, okay, yeah, we're going to lose money on this. Let's lose it at 5 million not 7.5 million or 15 million plus the amount of time we're going to have to spend continuing to negotiate with this group mm-hmm. is going to make that number even higher um you know so they're asking for 9 million and maybe travelers is looking at that saying we could have been out of this for six and a half seven million right? well and, and the other thing too that, that the possibilities is the the reason for them not paying may have nothing to do with anything that was in that article it's entirely possible that their response or the reason that they got hit was was something that was grossly negligent, and that's why the the, the traveler's policy wasn't paying out. Maybe that's why they decided to roll the dice because hey, why why pay this five million? We already know, maybe they already knew at that point that travelers wasn't going to be paying out or was trying to get out of it. Then that makes a little bit more sense why they would roll the dice. Because to me, if travelers was going to cover it for the five million, why why risk it? Why roll the dice? So there, there could be like an X factor in here that we just didn't yeah, It could also be just a stupid egotistical CEO that just was like, you know, Fred Bacola did it with Kazaya. He's like, we're not paying this. Yeah. You know, and luckily he had a trusted source that gave him the decryption key, a.k.a. the CIA. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but, you know, that's that guy did the same thing, you know, and. Sometimes ego is getting away. We see it all the time in business. So we'll update everybody on what happens. But I think we're, I think we're, I think we're right. I think, I think we're not going to see a payment be made. And if there is, it won't be anywhere near five million dollars. <throat> so talk about speaking of gross negligence, Ryan. <laughs> our next article is our friends over at uh, Marriott 
who have now uh, been victimized three separate times that we know of uh, in the last five years. Mm -hmm. um, I, I don't even know. I, I happen to, I think if you're in the United States or an American, you probably stay at a Marriott hotel because they own like 20 different brands. Yeah. Um, it's kind of hard. It's, you know, in my opinion, it's like Hilton or Marriott. Those are your, basically your two choices anymore. Um, what's going on here? Like we don't see Hilton getting hit this much. I mean, well, and, and so I, I've noticed this. So, so, so since things opened back up, I've done a fair amount of traveling over the last year, year and a half. And I, I'm surprised how often I go into a hotel that I have no idea is a Marriott uh, at face value. And then I get there and I'm like, everything's got Marriott branding on, you know, letterhead here and there. So mm -hmm. I, I think maybe part of this has to do with um, how much uh, Marriott has acquired as far as other companies go over the, over the last few years. Um, and so whenever you acquire another company, you have to integrate their systems within to yours. And I'm wondering if, if some of this has to do with either that integration being done poorly or, um, you know, the, the entities that they're acquiring um, having bad uh, posture at the time that they're acquired. And maybe th those are the leaks that are coming in. Maybe they're growing too fast and that's causing it. But, but yeah, three times in the last few years, that's, uh, that's not a good track record at all. But, you know, to your point, you know, what, what, what choice do you have really when you're going out to, to, to find a hotel? You know, they, they own, like, I, I would say probably, what, 60, 70% of them, just, just in my experience. I don't know what the actual number is, but I think every hotel I've stayed in in the last year and a half has been ultimately owned by Marriott when I got mm -hmm. there and found out. And this shows training and culture. Um, we we do a lot of work for hotels, but as a as a third party, because corporate is handling the majority of the IT, and I've seen a lot of times where, you know, they hire somebody, they train them for two days and click yes, yes, yes to a few videos. And then they're at the front desk and, you know, welcome to the real world of dealing with people and things like that. Mm -hmm. um, I just did a quick Google search. They have approximately 120,000 employees. So these hackers, they just have to be once right. They can literally try all day and just have to be that once that one time to get somebody. I read an article yesterday about one of the... And, I, and I'm just like floored. I was reading this article and the attack vector was USB drives. And it's and it's happening to companies a lot. And I'm going, who the hell is picking up USB drives in today's day and age and sticking them in their work computers? Like, <clears throat> like it, it just blew my mind what I was reading in this article. But then I go and think and I'm like, how many times <clears throat> have I stayed at a Marriott hotel well, maybe, and especially during COVID, where there's one person working at the at the front desk, and they're nowhere to be found, right? And how if I'm a if I'm a criminal-minded person, and I see you know a front desk maybe has three two three computers, nobody's around. How quickly would it, hard would it be for me if I run around the other side of that counter, see the computers unlocked, and start screwing around and see if I can get you know, a backdoor or some malware set up on this system. I mean, I, I know in the last year I've walked by front desks where nobody's been there. Yeah. Um, maybe they were in the back, like right there. But if you're not really paying attention as to what's going on at the front desk, it doesn't take but five seconds for somebody to, to go and do what I just mentioned, if they know what they're doing and they have complete access to that computer. The other thing too is, is like, how hard is it for 
somebody to lean over the, the counter and look at somebody's fingers on the keyboard to see what they're typing in for maybe a password or something like that, right? And, you know, depending on how the network's set up, you might be able to find an open network jack or go to a, a business, you know, center computer. And depending on how that hotel's network is set up, you might be able to, to, to get further from that standpoint. Um, so I don't know if Marriott has a physical security problem, um, you know, uh, uh, you know, it's just a security problem in general, but based on the research that we have and the information we have, it's basically saying that they're using and abusing real users credentials to get into these attacks, to, to make these attacks happen. I mean, what that, I guess I'm just looking at it from a lot of different ways and, you know, has has is it time for Marriott to like have an actual penetration test done, or hire a company that's constantly walking into their facilities and trying to break in, and letting them know ahead of time like, hey, here's things that we're seeing going on in your hotel that you need to clean up because you're making it really easy for us. Well, the other thing too is control of data. So in this particular instance says hackers convinced an employee at a hotel near an airport um, and that was their entry point. So how does that user have access to that kind of data? Just work, you know, your, your average hotel worker. You know, I don't use hotel Wi-Fi for a lot of different reasons. <laughs> One of those reasons is, is I could fully believe that <clears throat> when whenever they started asking you to to, when you go to the 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 uh, the, uh, the garden the wall garden page where they're like what's your name your yeah. last name and your room number when they started doing that that's when I said hold on they 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 could then know every website I go on after this point and I, I don't think I'm cool with that so I've always brought my where, where are you surfing Brian. I don't care. I, it doesn't matter. So, but I'm just saying, like that's that was a concern for me, yeah. and I bring in, you know, I bring in my own hotspots, you know, 5G hotspots, uh, in the hotels, and I use those the entire time I travel, um, because I trust those. Not that that's like, you know, some kind of cybersecurity hack, but mm -hmm. I trust that a hell of a lot more, and I trust the fact that AT and T or Verizon is going to do a better job at security than Marriott. Um, and, really? just, and, and people don't think about this stuff, but I do. And when I saw that many, many years ago, I was kind of like, huh, they can identify who I am and basically every everything that I visit from here on out. The bigger concern for me was if they're building, you know, a database of, websites that you go to and not that i care if they know what websites i go to but somebody else could be compiling and profiling me and hey we just found all this data on brian horning and right. here are the websites he goes to and the things you could glean from that are the tools that i use in my company you know what you know i obviously go to vendors websites and things like that while i'm working my computer's constantly communicating with servers in different places that I really don't want people knowing about. 
And if this database is being tracked and stored in a, in a hotel's database, which I fully believe it is, um, that's the kind of stuff that somebody could, could gain from, from this data. Right. And, and even if you trust Marriott or whatever entity it might be to not, you know, to not abuse that information, uh, do you trust them enough to protect it? So like in this case, they, they, they could have had the best of intentions with this data, but then they get breached and all of a sudden somebody else has that stuff because, you know, they had poor cyber hygiene. So you know, this is something we talk about a lot. Make sure the people, the companies that you're working with, your vendors, everybody in your supply chain, you need to be asking those questions. What are you doing for cybersecurity? Because we're trusting you with a certain amount of our information on top of, even if you have the most trust in the world, never give them anything more than what they need to provide the services that you're, you're getting from them. Also, just to kind of give you guys a behind the scenes. So um, we do a lot of third-party work, as I mentioned, for hotels, and one of them is Alof. And the Alof is a franchise. And that franchise um, owner has a group of hotels and then they have a MSP and I think they were in Colorado managing them and then having local IT. So here we may be beating the Marriott name, but then it could, um, and I believe with the ALOF, it's just like a few portals that they have to go back to corporate, but there's no VPN. And I guess I'll stop talking too much about that, but it's, it's basically a portal that they have. And, it, and then it's up to that person or that owner to, or ownership group to then, um, you know, put in, put in their own cyber uh, protections and hire their own IT person. I mean, technology is great, but there are so many moving pieces. You really have to be uh, careful and, and detailed about how you put these things together. Just because something works doesn't mean it's secure. Yeah, I just think about all the companies out there that send employees out to travel, you know, for business purposes, staying at Marriott hotels. <clears throat> and, you know, these these are the types of things that don't seem like a big deal on the surface, but they're a big deal. That's why we're taking time, you know, a lot of time to talk about it, because, like I said, an employee sitting in a Marriott hotel connected to a Marriott Wi-Fi that they're probably using because they're you more than likely did not send them on travel with a hotspot mm -hmm. or a way to connect to the internet without using the hotel Wi-Fi. <clears throat> and not only do you have to worry about simple things like man in the middle attacks, but when they're collecting this data and they're storing it on your, you know, employee's profile, and then that data six months down the road gets hacked, there's a lot of information that somebody's willing and able enough to go through to figure out like where your email is hosted, what vendors and all the things that I mentioned, you know, and once they know that, that gives them a leg up to try to attack you. It's like, if I'm looking to attack a business and I don't know where their emails hosted, I got a lot of work to do, but if I know where their emails hosted, I don't have too much work to do. I know the target. I know what I need to get into. And I, can start putting social engineering campaigns together that help me get into that account, right? Mike, that's why you get these emails from, you know, that look like they're coming from Microsoft that you need to change your password and stuff like that. These are all attempts to trick you into doing something. And if you're using M365 email and you get that type of email versus if you're using like Gmail, you're more likely to fall for that, for, for that, fish because you're using that system.
So it seems legitimate to you, um, <clears throat> you know, and they can also, you know, figure out a lot of different things about your company, names of employees. So they can send, you know, those, those, those emails where it's like, Hey, call, you know, email me your personal cell phone number. I need to talk to you real quick. Mm -hmm. um, those types of things. This is where they figure all this stuff out to make it look real when they, when they fall on, you know, this treasure trove of data that's, that's been released. And this, this is, this is a bigger deal than most people think. And I think it's time for Marriott before they get hit with class action lawsuits to start figuring this problem out real quick. Yeah. <clears throat> but it's going to be years before people realize this stuff, right guys? I mean, we can talk about it till we're blue in the face, but until it starts smacking people right in the face with these problems, you know, it's going to be, it's going to be a while. Um, that's why you need to help us grow this show. People need to know this stuff. People need to hear about it. So I can't see Marriott doing much to change though, honestly, because I yeah, mean, it's been five years. Well, yeah. And that was like a 500 million million record breach. Um, and they didn't really change a whole lot since then. So I don't know. I don't see them well, doing that's where the rules need to change. You know, they've gone through this three times now in five years and, and you know, doesn't seem to have impacted their their business at all. So why would they change? What, what and that goes back to what I said with SHIIT and their kind of blog post. And that's what I meant. It's like, guys, I get it. We all want to grow our businesses, right? But when does cybersecurity become as equally important as growing your business? And I think that that's Marriott's problem. They're so damn focused on growing their stock price and acquiring all these other hotel chains who probably don't have great cybersecurity and they want to integrate it with the Bonvoy system. And that's like Ryan alluded to. Who knows if this, you know, it's because they're buying all these different smaller chains and just integrating the security is becoming a massive challenge for them. I guarantee you that Ryan hit the nail on the head with that statement. Um, with what's going on here, but <clears throat> this is, I, I'm fearful because we work with a lot of M and A companies too. Mm -hmm. And I don't, it's just like, let's buy, 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 let's grow, let's expand, let's get, you know, acquire these companies. And they're not looking at the security. They're, they're really not even looking at it from an in infrastructure standpoint to the level that I think they should be. Um, that would only benefit the company that's buying because they'll probably get it at a discount if they go in and say, we're going to have to invest, you know, $5 million into security and infrastructure right. because your stuff is so low. They're not even looking at that. They're writing checks to companies and then they're taking on, you know, the infrastructure and the existing cybersecurity maturity. And then they're like dealing with it after the fact, which absolutely blows my mind. And that, that's why I said what I said. It's like, when are we going to start treating cybersecurity just as important as sales and growth and things like that? Well, that's where I think I think reporting requirements are going to need to be a part of that play. Because, I mean, right now, I mean, if you look at the data that's reported, it's already really bad. And that's probably, you know, maybe a third of the actual uh, incidents that are going on out there because people just aren't reporting either uh, on purpose or because they don't realize that they're they're required to. Uh, or they're just trying to sweep it under the rug. So, like, if you are going into acquiring a company, you know, you got to really do your due diligence to see, you because know, they're probably not going to tell you, oh, yeah, by the way, you know, two years ago we got breached and we had this issue. You know, it's funny when we do, in, in a lot of cases, we do get that information up front from people. Because I think the fear is, is that 
twofold. If they're working with a third-party provider, the third-party provider wants to get out in front of that, mm-hmm. and they're usually the ones that disclose it um, because they don't want to look like they were trying to hide it or brush yeah. it over the rug or didn't take it seriously. Um, so if they're working with like a third-party IT company, usually that company, because they're in a lot of cases losing the account anyway, so mm-hmm. they kind of have no more skin in the game. So it's kind of like, hey, by the way, they got hit the ransomware two years ago. Um, I, I've seen that, and I've also seen it where, you know, just the IT, uh, in internal IT department, somebody along the way comes along yeah. and says, like, yeah, we got hit with ransomware, you know, nine months ago or something like that, because once you get a handle on the system, chances are you're going to find encrypted files and things like that on the network, and you're, or you're going to find a ransom to shove somewhere, because... I don't know if people know this or not about ransomware, but basically every single directory, like if you think about all the folders on your computer or on your server or in your network, every single one of those folders gets an, a text mm-hmm. uh, file dropped in it with a ransom note. So these ransom notes are everywhere because uh, they want you to find the ransom note. Uh, <clears throat> and these ransom notes are everywhere, all over your entire system. And chances are, you know, you probably are going to have some files that were not able to be recovered that are going to continue to be, um, you know, encrypted. Um, you know, I remember one time we took over our company and we deployed the backup. And as soon as the backup started running, it was like, whoa, nope, we're not taking a backup because we found encrypted files. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> you know, and that's like something so simple, right? There's an easy way to scan your network to see if you still have encrypted files out there. Um, and they never did that until we came in there and put the backup system in place. And the backup was like, hey, I'm not, I'm not taking a backup because we're finding encrypted files in, in this data set. Um, and this is this is reality. Um, that's what we're trying to you know, help people understand, like what the heck is going on out there. So. All right, guys, we're uh, 58 minutes in. Anything else? We're getting pretty good at uh, hitting about an hour. Yeah. Yeah. Anything else you guys want to add before we bounce out? Stay safe out there. Uh, Be vigilant. Yep. Stay safe on a lot of different levels, right, boys? Yep. Uh, Just try to remember the cyber criminals want your data. That's what they want. They don't really want to encrypt it. They kind of moved into a world of, hey, we can get our hands on this and and we can threaten, Mm -hmm. you know, to release it and scare the crap out of people that, somebody has maybe data that you really wouldn't want out there or prefer to have out there. Uh, the cyber criminals are realizing that this is a much more lucrative way of, of making money and it's a longer term play as well. Um, so I think ransomware will always be a problem, but I think, you know, data theft, identity theft is going to be a bigger issue, not only businesses, but individuals, as well so stay vigilant make sure you're doing everything that you can to protect your data and think twice you know about joining that public wi-fi network or sharing your data with somebody or posting something on social media or allowing an app to have access to you know everything on your phone um these are all things that we really need to look at and think about moving forward so all right boys all right and 
And we'll see everybody on the next episode. Take care, everyone. See ya. Bye.